0: As I said, we're talking about the idea of truth and getting truth this morning and uh, for those who are even a little bit of a Star Wars fan, you're probably very aware of a scene in Return of the Jedi where where Luke sort of goes to Obi-Wan Kenobi's go saying, you said Darth Vader killed my father. Now for those who don't know the story, Darth Vader is Luke's father. I hope I haven't given that away from you but like um, it has been out for 40 years, so I'm hoping you've caught up. But anyway, and then um, Obi-Wan Kenobi should have said, well, well, when when Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker ceased to exist. So it is true from a certain point of view. Now, that seems to be the idea of truth in our world now. That truth is anything, as long as you can justify it, by feelings or a certain point of view or the way that you interpret it. But there are some things in our world that like, again, as much as we, well, as much as we say that you you want to say this is different, um, it, it, it still exists that way. Gravity still works. You drop a rock, it will fall. You jump off a house, you will fall, and then you'll visit the hospital. Um, those those are the kinds of things that are kind of truth. But we, we live in a world where you would think that's that's... Everyone would accept what truth is, but you have seen, it's, it's seen so evidently in our world, especially over the last five to ten years, where truth, what is, like, truth, everyone says, no, well, it's truth is actually up to the individual, and it's, it's everywhere, we we talk about genders. We talk about ideas of, of marriage. We talk about what I feel and what I think, and that's the best for me. And and, and even like we 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 we're raising a generation of of people that um, are very self focused. Now the thing is, when you encourage children to think all about themselves, they are going to because children do that naturally. Anyone who is a parent know that children have to be taught to share. They have to be taught to to engage with others. They have to be taught to think about others. So that we are naturally when we are born selfish. Okay? And and so when we are teaching kids to actually think about themselves first and foremost, all of a sudden what we create is adults that think about themselves first and foremost. And you go, "Well, what's wrong with that?" Well, then you've got selfish people fill in the world and again for the world they might go well that's that's true that's what we should be doing but it's not what God actually talks about God actually talks about loving your neighbor as you love yourself it actually says the amount that you love yourself that's how much you should love your neighbor you should lay your life down for your friend and Jesus gives himself like as I would I would lay my life down for you you should be doing the same for others and we go no 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 we've been taught to think about me first And if I have to share, if I have to look after other people, if I have to lay down my life, that's going to be very inconvenient. And I don't want to do that. And so today I want to talk about the idea of getting truth and and, and why it's so important as Christians, people who are living under the way of God, to actually get truth in our lives. So... I wanted you to listen to this story. One day there was a shoemaker in Mashida, a, a very religious city in northeastern Iran. So he brought home for his lunch some cheese, which the grocer had wrapped in a page of the New Testament. He had probably just ripped it out, wrapped up the cheese, sent it home. He has got home, he's having his lunch, and as he's eating his lunch, he picked up the piece of paper and he read a story of a man who hired laborers for his vineyard. And at the end of the day, he paid all the laborers the same wage, whether they had worked 12 hours or one. The shoemaker was really engaged with this story. And the next day, he went again to the grocery store and bought cheese, asking that it be wrapped in another page of that book. Um, Finally, on the third day, he bought what remained of, of the New Testament and showed it to his brother. And the two of them went to a missionary who gave them a complete copy and also gave them regular instruction in the Word of God. And because of this engagement with God's Word, both men were later baptised and were among the first believers in that city. And that was a story by Dr. William Miller. The thing is, God's Word, it actually engages people with the truth. It actually brings people in. And so even though there was a small bit of truth wrapping wrapping up a piece of cheese, it was enough to actually change people's lives. So turn with me now to Romans 7.15. So, if you've got it on your app or it's going to be up on the screen as well, it says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Anyone can relate to this verse at all? So, and, and basically, Paul is talking about the way I want to live my life, the things that I, I see as the goals that that Jesus has put in front of me the things that I should be talking about and, and investing in my life the attitudes I should have those things that I want to do often it's not what I do it's not what I sort of live out but the things that I hate maybe I'm I'm being selfish and I'm or maybe I'm being proud or maybe I'm being greedy or maybe I'm being lazy or maybe I I, I that block of chocolate that was in the fridge I only meant to eat one piece and now there's I have to go get another block of chocolate like well those things I I I don't want to do, I end up doing. And in this verse, Paul is talking specifically about sin. But I wonder how many of us take that same principle and apply it to our time spent with God and his word, or maybe lack thereof. We should should know what we should do, but don't do it. And I'm hoping today as we look at this idea of engaging with God's word, it will give you a new hunger for the Bible uh, on a regular pattern in your life. Now, um, from what Bert read earlier back in Proverbs uh, 23, I want to focus in on the verse 23. Um, And the writer of Proverbs tells us something um, about truth that is incredibly important. And so he emphasizes how important it is with, with this one verse. He says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction and insight as well. We've already heard that the truth comes from the Word of God, but once we have it, how do we keep it? And the first step is what the writer of Proverbs makes clear in this verse. He says, don't sell it. I suppose you could add this, don't give it away. Um, I, and I don't think he's, he's, he's talking about standing on a street corner saying, selling Bibles to people as they're walking past. Instead, the writer is talking about our internal struggle it is one thing to receive the Word of God. It is another thing to actually keep it as a priority in our life. And over the past years, I've heard of multiple stories of, of Christian leaders who have come to a point where they've walked away from their faith. Not, not, every, like, not even everyday Christians. I'm sure a lot of people f- fall in this category. But again, the world loves highlighting those Christian leaders that have, have walked away. And as you read their stories or read what they've said, you can see, well, the Bible doesn't say the things that they're saying. And so all of a sudden they go, oh, well, they've actually had a misunderstanding or no understanding of God's word to actually bring them to a point. And all of a sudden God doesn't act like the way that they want him to act and therefore they abandon him. I've heard of men who've gone out in their backyard saying, God, if you're real, strike me down with lightning. And I'm going... Well, who does that benefit? Because no one else will know what, what prayer was said. And you won't benefit because you'll be up in heaven going, well, God, you, you must be real. Like um, there was an a, a, a Anglican priest in Brisbane who has basically walked away into some kind of new agey kind of help people but not believe in God. And he, because the reason he said it because there was suffering in the world. And and I'm going, of course there's suffering in the world. It actually talks about in Genesis 1, 2 and 3 when it talks about how God created the world and what his plan was and when sin came into the world and how that has damaged everything that flowed on from that point. But then we get to the point where Jesus has actually come back to redeem the world. That's the whole story of the Bible. And this priest said, oh, because there's suffering in the world, because all these horrible things happen, I can't believe in God anymore. I I went, which book have you been reading all these years? And so we actually need to get onto a point where we are not giving away or, or um, selling the truth. And unfortunately this happens to people all the time. Um, as was mentioned in week one of the series, th- the things of this world can be very seductive uh, and they attempt to draw us in and convince us of their truth rather than the tr- the truth. And and. The, the thing is, I think this happens in a couple of different ways. I, I think sometimes the Bible does bring about uncomfortable truths. Like, um, for those who are afraid to stand on a scale, it can bring about an uncomfortable truth. And so what do you do if it's uncomfortable? I won't stand on it. And so if the Bible is going to bring uncomfortable truths, you, you, and the thing is, we already kind of got this sort of inkling that, oh, I'm not doing something that God... Or I'm doing something God doesn't want me to do or I'm not doing something God wants me to do. And so to stay away from that uncomfortability in our lives, the easiest way is to, to keep our Bible shut and not to engage with God. And maybe he'll forget. Maybe, maybe by keeping the Bible shut, it will change somehow. Like, I know the, these are not logical thoughts that go through our minds, but they do go through our minds. We're kind of waiting for God's Word to change to us. Well, that's what the world is wanting. It's wanting us to be pliable. God's word is solid. It is not changing, much like our God. And so we have the idea of 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 this uncomfortable truth. And it could be sin that we are not addressing. It could be a call in our life that God is wanting us to do. Much like Jonah. Jonah was called to go one direction and he ran the other way. And so that same thing can happen to us where we are called to live in a certain way or to to minister in a certain way or to change something in our life. And we, we go, that's a bit uncomfortable, God. I'm going to ignore that. The problem with the world is as well with the truth it presents. It dresses up ideals. Christmas is not far away and there's not too many kids in here so we don't have to worry about talking about Christmas too much. But, but the idea of, of Christmas at times is one of the great things about Christmas is all the shiny wrapping, all the decorative wrapping. If if Christmas was only brown wrapping, it'd still be good because there'd be stuff wrapped up but the the colourful wrapping all makes it really good. But if you imagine you had this really great present but wrapped, and it was only small, but it was wrapped in really plain paper or a big shiny box with nothing in it. The thing is, the kids would actually look at that and go, oh, that big shiny box looks awesome. There must be something really, really good in there. That's what the world does to us. It sells us big shiny boxes of nothing. And unfortunately, at times, we are much like children that fall for the gimmick that the world uses we we fall for the big shiny box and we go i want that thing that thing will make me happy that thing will make my life complete until a bigger shinier box comes along and and in the meantime we are not finding happiness in any of those things but we just think we need the bigger box we need the bigger shine we need to we need something more where the thing of true value is over here in, in god's hands for us ready to take hold of when we are ready it's easy to sell ourselves short by selling what we hold on to as truth in the Scripture. Maybe some of us are in that place right now. We, are fe- we feel an internal war going on within, within us. We feel there are being, we are being pulled in two different directions. And the direction of the world is gaining an advantage because we know it will offer a satisfaction that we can see and feel even though it's only temporary. Jesus had an external dialogue with a woman about this same struggle in her life. And so if you've got your Bibles there, turning to John chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 7 to 15. So this is the story of the, of, of the woman at the well. Um, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And therefore the, therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you... Being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman. For Jesus had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, Where do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. So I will not be thirsty nor come all the way out here to draw. Even in that last bit of her answer, she was looking for something to f- fill her temporary life problems. Like it was for those who don't know the story, she was a woman who was outcast. She was coming out to the well in the middle of the day because no one else would be there. So she was probably shocked to see Jesus there to begin with. And, 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 and I, I can wonder her walking up there going, oh, there's someone here already. Like... Do I come back a little bit later? Do I wait till he leaves? And then Jesus says, can you give me some water? And then she made a point. Why are you asking me, one, a Samaritan, who the Jews don't talk to, to a woman? And you would know if I'm coming out of here in the middle of the day, there is something wrong with my life. So what are you thinking talking to me right now? And Jesus, I've got something that you can have that will make you... Take away your thirst for all of your life, and straight away she hears, "Oh, oh!" Like internal plumbing—that's what she's hearing right there. Like I'm going to get a tap in the house. We don't have taps yet, but Jesus is going to do that in my first in my home. I'm going to have the first running water. I won't have to go outside anymore. Now, again, Jesus was offering way more than that—something way more significant. If we know Jesus, we know the truth. That's what Jesus is If you know me, you will know the truth. You receive the benefits of knowing the truth in knowing me. We spend time in, in the word of God and once we know it, we learn not to lose it. And I believe there is a proper response that God desires from us next. When we actually don't sell the truth, when we fill our lives up with God's truth, when we fill our lives up with God's word and that brings us into the presence of God, we end up giving it away freely. And that's my second point for today. We, we need to go share it. If the truth is so important to us that it grabs a hold of our lives and it changes who we are, we will share it with the world in which we live. Now, I'm going to sort of put this in a bit of context for you because some people love to share God's truth but their, their desire in sharing God's truth is to win the argument, is to be right. Now that is never Jesus' way of doing things. I think at times the disciples, yes, they were happy to be right. But Jesus, there were times he could have been right and he was compassionate instead. And so we've got to weigh that up. And so our purpose in in going sharing the truth is not to prove everyone wrong, is not to sort of put ticks on our board saying, yep, I won an argument at work today. My neighbour, I put my neighbour in my place. I put my family in place. And when you get to heaven, you go, look, God, look at all the people I put in a place with God, your truth. And God will just shake his head at you going, what were you thinking? Because it all comes down from a context that we need to be loving. We we share God's truth to be loving to the world so that they can know that same truth themselves. And so when we look at our motives for sharing God's truth, that's got to be the aspect of it. And throughout the Bible, it is made clear that the word is never meant to just dwell within us. So turning to um, the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 8, 18 to 20. And, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I am, all, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is often called the Great Commission, um, the, last, the last words Jesus shared with his disciples to, to go and take the gospel message into the world in which we live. Um, and when we begin to read and study the Word of God, even when we begin to put it in practice, we are called to go and share it. Now, the Bible never says that you need to understand everything before you go share it. The Bible doesn't need to say you need to memorize the Bible before you go share it. The Bible doesn't say you need to be a pastor before you go share your life. The Bible doesn't say, oh, I need to have 20 years in, in the church before I can go do anything. I think those are some of the common misconceptions we have. It's going, oh, that's not my job to share, the, um, to share the good news with the world in which we live, to share God's truth with the world in which we live. But the Bible makes it quite clear; he's calling all those who are disciples. Who who is a disciple? Was that a follower of Jesus? So a disciple is someone who believes in and follows Jesus. So if that is you, then you are a disciple. And the Great Commission was to all disciples. So there is no really way of walking back from this other than to ignore it and put it over there so I'm not going to listen to that I'm just going to shut my ears I couldn't quite hear what you're saying this morning Pastor Keith you said you were going to go out into all the reach all the world and make disciples that was it so we might need to get those spiritual hearing aids turned up a little bit I think but the thing is God gets to that point where he he calls us to be a part of this great purpose this great commission and um, amazingly sharing the, the word with others will actually strengthen our own faith as well one of the things I've noticed a little bit over the, probably the last five, six years is that the world is trumpeting its truth all around us. It is. It's, it's just in our face and it's not even subtle anymore. It's, it's just out there. It's in everything. It's in kids shows. It's in ads. And sometimes you become sort of blind to it. It's just, just overwhelming. And so our response as Christians is to be nice, is to be nice. And so to be nice is that I'll just, I'll be quiet and I'll, 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 I won't argue about it. And I don't, I don't want you to go and starting arguments about stuff. But at the same time, we need to be able to sort of speak in a way that it, as we share God's truth, it will strengthen our own and we won't be overwhelmed by the wave of the world's truth that hits us from every side. And so the way to strengthen God's truth in our life is to share it with others, and they'll end up. Someone will end up asking you a question. You go, I don't know the answer to that, and you'll go find out, and that'll strengthen your faith. And then you'll come back and you share that, and all of a sudden you will see God's truth changing other people's lives. And all of a sudden you go, wow. God's truth does work. It does change life. It's not only changed my life, but it's changed my friend's life. It's helped in that situation for that person. God has, God has strengthened that person in that, in that situation in their life. And all of a sudden, what God has promised us has come true. And it becomes our testimony that we can share with those around us. Years ago, I was, um, I think I was still at Bible college. And I'd gone with one of my housemates back to Gainda and to catch up with one of my friends there. And it was the Orange Festival. Um, so Gainda's got this, um, other places have got their big fruit festival. Gainda's got their Orange Festival. They have a, a classic car parade down the, tr- uh, down the main street like main streets, not very main, but there was a lot of cars come down that. Um, They had a whole lot of different sort of um, orange themed sort of um, activities you could do. They had stuff on at night, they had some like, and so, but I was um, um, hanging out with my friend's boyfriend for the the night and he knew I was at Bible College and it became one of those um, questions he was asked. He started asking me some very specific questions about like, what, how, how do you earn, like, how good do I have to be? And it's one of those things that's a very common question when it comes from, from believers because most people see themselves as good. Like, very few people go, oh, I'm a bad person. They see themselves as good. I'm not as good at... Go- and then the thing is, when they're not as good as someone, I'm not a goody-touchy like them. That's bad if you're too good. I'm the right kind of good. I'm the right level of good. I've got an- enough of a, a bit of a Mister mis- mystery about me and I've got, I do good things as well. And, and and so he asked the question, like, how good do you have to be? And so all of a sudden, we, we got to the point that the conversation went on at a few different locations and we ended up um, sitting while everyone else kind of left someone else because they went he just kept on asking questions and I, I kept on, on um, answering and I, I probably at that time because I was at Bible college I was very bold in my like, I was, oh no, that's, yeah, that's not even close to the truth. Is it? And at the end of the night because he was talking about this guy, he goes, what if you're someone that sits by the fire on a, on a Saturday night thinking about things of life and thinking how you can be better? Isn't that good enough? And I said, no, it comes back to a relationship with God. And he shared this story multiple times about this guy sitting in front of the fire. And then he said, now, I don't know if you realize that that guy sitting by the fire is me. So I've actually said to him probably by 10 times already by this night saying, that person is not in line to go to heaven. And so all of a sudden I'm going, oh, okay. And so I started to backpedal. But because I've been so bold in my defense of the faith, he said, don't change what you've said this is what I needed to hear. So all of a sudden, like even though I thought I'd been offensive to him by telling the truth, he was accepting of it. It was one of those God moments and, and again, not sure what happened with with that following, because I, I basically have gained it two days later and 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 but it was a night where that conversation happened. But the thing is, it it strengthened my faith as I shared it. Like I was, as I said, at Bible college. I had been a Christian for X amount of years, but you don't always get into conversations like that where you have to defend your position. You have to know it. And so not only did I challenge him, it challenged me, it strengthened me. And that's where sharing God's truth becomes important for each one of us to do. Um, it's It's not just... It's not enough to hold our own personal opinion because if someone else makes a, a good point, all of a sudden we go, oh, maybe I need to change my opinion. And that's, again, I've seen that in our, in our modern churches. All of a sudden, this is, this is the problem. A lie told multiple times is still a lie. But the world has this thing, if I tell a lie enough, it becomes truth. And sadly, that is becoming the case for so many people. And so if we hold our opinion in a little guarded space, what will eventually happen? The world's lives will actually sink into there as well. So what do we do from here? What, what do we do with this idea of, of getting the truth and, and not selling it and sharing it with others? Well, that is first and foremost, we need to get to a point where we are filling our lives with God's truth. Like if you did an equation of how much you listened to your friends, how much you read on the internet, how much you looked at it on Facebook, how much you watched on TV and compare it to how much you time and how much you let God's word fill your life, what would that bar graph look like? like? At times we allow the world to fill us up way more than we let God's word or, or God's things fill us up. It might be a testimony that someone shares with you or you share with someone else. It might be serving with others for the purpose of bringing God's kingdom. Again, that fills you up and, 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 and engages you in that. But if our life is filled up with the things of the world, God's truth will eventually like, take a lesser stance in our life. And so we need to ask that question we need to learn how to read the Bible. Now for some of you, some of you have done Bible courses and how to do that, great. Again, you don't need to be, even do it for formal study. You can find ways of, of learning how to understand the Bible and understand how to read it and understand to learn from it. Our youth at the moment are, are doing this overview of, of the Bible. And so we've, we've only got to the book of... Um, we've we're just finished the book of Joshua so we, we haven't got too far we'll probably have, we'll get a few more books in and we'll be done for the year and so it's a, it's a real brief um, overview but what we've realised is um, what the kids have begun to realise is that because God did this here and then called this person here and then this happens all of it actually flows on from each other God has put the whole lot together and when we use the, when we use the Bible to proof text our life I'll just take that verse because that means I can go do this or or that means I can do it this way rather than taking it all in and understanding how it works in our life and, and what God is trying to show us. Again, we have, I suppose, the incomplete truth of God. So this week, if you don't have something set up in your life to get into God's Word, that's your homework. Now, again, we've got devotionals up the back. That's great. Find someone you can read God's Word with. Find a book of the Bible that you can begin with. Now, again, if you are if you feel a bit novice in this area, okay, here's a couple of places to start. Start reading a Psalm a day, a Proverb a day, and if you want to start in the New Testament, start with the Gospel of John. Okay, start there. Okay, don't start in the book of Leviticus or Numbers. Okay, okay, it's... They're good books, but they're a tough read, okay? Like, you don't want to start in those places, okay? Um, don't start in the book of Revelation, okay? I've said to people in the past, like, um, I had a, a, one of my theological teachers was talking about, oh, do you, are you pre millennial or post millennial? Now, again, if you don't understand that, that's okay, but it talks about, is Jesus going to come back before he takes people away or come back after he takes people away? And my, my um, th- theology lecturer said, that I'm pan millennial. I went, oh, I haven't heard that one. I said, what does that mean? He goes, I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. And that was enough. And that for him, that was enough. I don't need to understand all the intricacies of everything. I just need to make sure God's word is filling my life. And so find a way of doing it. Um, for those who are technologically advanced, there's a few things you can do. There is a, a great app out there called YouVersion, which has multiple Bibles. You can read it from here. You can highlight different things. You can actually do devotions with other people. We, Our youth have actually been doing that. We've just been doing a, um, a, a devotion called Catalyst. And so a number of our youth probably haven't been as consistent as they should have been, but we've been working through that together. And so you can find, again, find someone who you can be accountable with that. So... There is definite practical homework that you can take home from today. Don't just go, oh, Pastor Keith shared a few good thoughts today, went a bit long, morning tea was waiting, but no, there's homework for you. But secondly, maybe you've got a hold of God's truth in your life. So there's a second step of application for homework this week. Who can you share God's truth with this week? It might be an encouraging word. Someone might be going through something really tough and this is what you can share with them, saying, hey, God has helped me in the past when I've been in time, can I pray for you right now? And then actually pray for him. Like, don't, don't just leave them hanging. Like, just pray for him. Okay? That's, it's, it might take you all of two minutes to do that. It might be something way more in-depth than that. It might be um, sort of sharing your story with someone else who's struggling and going, hey, this is, this is something that's happened in my life and this is how God worked. This is how God has provided for me. This is... You might be able to say, this is something I'm right in the middle of right now, but I know that God is with me. Or all things of truth that can actually be a testimony of someone else. Or something else that God just brings uniquely to you. But there is, there's, there's a bit of homework this week, and I'd love to hear or love you to share with other people how that has worked in the coming weeks as you get truth in your life. So I'm just going to wrap it up right there because God's truth is is, is important in our life for, for us to hold onto, to let it change our life. But it's also important as we know it to share it in the world around us. So I want to leave you with that challenge. Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the truth that we find in your word. I thank you for the truth that we find in you and that you are our present truth. You say you are the way, the truth and the life. And so I pray that as we... Um, as we walk with you, as we journey with you, that you are able to um, really just elevate us into knowing your truth, holding on to your truth, and sharing in the world that we live in. And we pray this in your name. Amen.